Good morning, church. Please join me as we come together and worship God through song. Please stand if you are able. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong
And good morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. This group needs to invite more friends, okay? <laughs> this special, okay? Or take a bath or something, whatever that, however that works out, right? And so um, glad to have you all here this morning. Glad to have you online uh, today with us. And so uh, we're come to worship, right? And, uh, and we want to give praise to God. We want to learn more about him. So a couple things that I want to give to you before we pray. Um, next week, Richard Hazelwood is going to start teaching this. This is called The Best News. I know you can't read it from where you're at in the back there. But it's called The Best News. It's evangelism training. It's a three-week course. It walks you through the verses that you'll need because you guys are missionaries. We're going to talk about missionaries in a moment, but you guys are missionaries. So we want to, uh, want to equip you. And so that, w- that class we offered next week. This book we're going to go through starting on the 20th. We'll meet. But you'll need this book next Sunday. Right, you'll need it by next Sunday. So if you want the, 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 you want to take this, walk through this. It's a self-guided study. In other words, you really don't need the class, but what it is is kind of working together. And I'll give you a few extra things as we walk through that. But I encourage you to, to participate in this. This is basic stuff, and it's for the beginner, but it's for the, the seasoned uh, Christian. Okay, So I encourage you to take a, you can take a look at the book pretty soon and see if that's something you want to do going to walk you through there. It's, it requires 15 minutes a day. That's why you have to have the book, because you're going to have to have seven classes done or six classes done before we meet. So it's just fill in the blanks. It's memory stuff, and but it does it so you can do it. Okay, So I encourage you to be part of that. In a moment, I'm going to talk about this, but I want to first go to Lord in prayer before, because I want to introduce the video that we're going to watch. This is the first day of the week of prayer for home missions, or for North American missions, as we like to call that. And we're gonna, you're going to see on our Facebook page, every day you'll see somebody new up there, uh, so you can follow along on there and pray. You've got the guide to pick up, and you can do that. So I want to pray for them. I want to pray for whatever is on your heart today. Uh, you know, you woke up this morning, and there's something, uh, none of you came in here whistling, Okay. So something's going on, and, and things might be pretty good, but there's something you're concerned about. God's concerned about it, too. Okay, We want to take that, and that's what prayer is, is trusting God. That's what, that's what life's about, trusting God, and we're going to leave that with God. We still have the situation that we prayed about last week in Ukraine. Um, it has had its moments where it seems better. It's had its moments when it seemed worse. It is not over by any means, and so we want to pray. As far as I know, Putin hasn't repented, so still praying for that. And we're praying for the safety of the people in Ukraine. Uh, many people know people in there. It's just amazing uh, the amount of people that have connections there uh, to the people there. And just got an email or just a, a thing today that said my, my son got out of there at 4.30 in the morning, their time. So I uh, want to pray for, pray for those kind of situations. And as we talk about the best news, we don't know what life's going to throw at us or at our friends. I know that I'm ready. Whatever comes. You can drop a bomb. I'm, I'm not done. I have eternal life and I have it within the presence of God. There are people that you know and people that I know that do, do not know that. And I want to pray for them. Come to the Lord and save Father, we thank you this day Father, as, as 
I know, you know, Father, greater than, than all of us. We each have needs. We each have concerns. Father, we each have things that, that we're dealing with, wrestling with. And Father, pray that you would, we want to lay them down and Father, put our trust in you for the answer for those situations. Father, we want to pray for our North American missions and the offering that we'll be taking. Father, for the missionaries that are out of field even today proclaiming the gospel. Father, just bless their work. Bless the, the labor, labor that they put in, Father, that we might see fruit, they might see fruit. And Father, like us, Lord, we pray that we would see people come to know you as Lord and Savior. That's on our heart, Lord. Father, equip us, Lord, so that we can go out and share the gospel. Uh, we may not do it great. We may be nervous about it. But Father, give us the courage to do it. Father, just pray for the situation in Ukraine. Father, it, it, it's on the news all the time. Father, the, the bombing, the shelling, the people leaving their country, the fighting going on, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would bring peace there. Father, for Russia's leader, Father, pray for his repentance. Father, I pray that we would, the world would see a change. The world would see your hand at work, Lord. Father, just go with us, Lord. Use us. Allow us to, to praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, right on the wings is this stuff here. So, it's, it's the week of prayer guide, and it is an envelope. So, the envelope's for your offering. That's pretty self-explanatory, I think. And that offering is going to do, that's going to go to support the missionaries like the ones we're about to watch. We're going to watch three videos in the course of the next three weeks. You can pray for them. The one we're going to watch today that I chose for today, it's actually tomorrow's, it's tomorrow's one that you're going to be praying for, is Michael and Tracy Bird. The reason I chose that one, they're from St. Louis. You all know where St. Louis is at? Yeah, you all know where St. Louis is at, right? Okay, so... Here's the deal. When you look up his church, and I'll try to remember to put the link in the email tomorrow, have that put in the link, that link put in the email, is that, that they have two churches, two church plants in the city of St. Louis. One is not very far from Barnes. It's, as a matter of fact, it's just north, north of Barnes and off towards the Catholic cathedral there. So you know where that's at? You know, you know, when you're up in the hospital in one of those windows, one of those rooms, and you see out the windows, you can look on the neighborhood, and you can pray for that neighborhood. doesn't have to be tomorrow, okay, whenever you, I hope that you don't have to be there. But if you are there, then let's pray for them. The other one is, if you remember coming down the end of 367, you'll come into the circle, the circle at the north side of St. Louis, that circle that you're trying to figure out, where do I get off and how do I get on? It's, it's kind of like one of those spinning wheels that we played with on kids. It's hard to get on, and it's even harder to get off in the right spot. And so, not very far from there, up Jenny Station Road, is where the other church is at. You'll notice in here, he said, we don't live very far from the neighborhood. Matter of fact, for the truck drivers back here, the guys that have been down to the elevator on Hall Street, you'll, you'll see this, okay? It is... Um, You'll see a sign called, I believe it's Harlan Avenue, is the, the picture in there. That's actually between Hall Street and Riverview. Okay, that's kind, of, that's kind of the area that they're actually canvassing the neighborhood for. So this is a place that's familiar to us. 
This is a work that's going on there. There are lost people in St. Louis. They needed to plant a church to reach these people. These people answered the call, and now we get to support them through offering. We get to support them through prayer. And here's an introduction to who these guys are. In St. Louis, there's a plethora of churches. One of the constant things that we kept hearing was new church. Why do we need a new church in this community? We already got a bunch of them not doing nothing. In this neighborhood, I mean, there is a lot of homelessness, prostitution, fatherless homes. The world has changed. Sin has increased. There's more crime. There's more drugs are prevalent. It's not a secret thing anymore. My family and I bought a house in the community, and we moved there in the community. So the people that, that we wanted to reach, we were living amongst. We would set up um, on a Sunday, bring our own church, bring a barbecue pit, some chips, some hot dogs, and we would have worship service in the neighborhood park. And we just began to live there, love there, serve there, and people started to come. When we see people submitting to discipleship relationships, when we see people surrender their heart to Jesus, when we begin to see the neighborhood beginning to change around us, like that's when we just know like, like we're, we're doing this right and we wouldn't change it for the world. But it's gonna take all of us working together to ensure that, that, that lostness is being addressed in our communities. It's the body of Christ. There's someone in Tennessee, they may never come to the inner city of St. Louis, but they can give and contribute because they believe in what we're doing as a body, as an entity to help us to get to that next level. We just gotta work together. We can do more together than we can do apart. Please stand with me if you are able as we come together and continue to worship through song. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in Jesus. 
Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Save He is mighty to save forever, the author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the Take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. The author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. The author of salvation. And conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. The author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave.
suicidio. Right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 12. That's where we were at last week. John chapter 12. You can follow along in your Bible. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, you can follow along with the Bible app. All of those things are available to you. So you have those. Uh, take notes kind of thing. You know, that, that kind of stuff. You can do that. So last week, we talked about the triumphal entry. I know I'm weeks ahead of time, right? It's not Palm Sunday, but that's what we wanted to cover because I want to spend some time in the book of John leading up to the cross. That's the idea behind that is that we're going to spend, uh, what, six, seven weeks there trying to walk through that and seeing the things that John wrote as he, as he looks back over the time that, Jesus, that he was with Jesus because he didn't know the end. Even though he'd been told, he didn't quite grasp that. The disciples didn't quite grasp that. We, we, we understood that. And so he's going to walk us through, guided. Remember that when John wrote, he's guided by the Holy Spirit. He's reaching a particular audience, different than Matthew, different than Mark, and different than Luke. So John writes this, and so we're going to take his look at it. When he, when he talks about the triumphal entry, we talked about the crowds that had gathered together. Uh, John focuses not so much on the donkey and so forth like that, but he, and that, that's a beautiful story, an incredible story. Love that story, right? Go, you're going to find it tied up, etc. And and he focuses a little bit on the crowds. In that, there there are three crowds that we talked about. One was the the group of people that that went out and met him and cried hallelujah, hallelujah, and they they called him King of Israel. Then there was a group that had seen the, that had witnessed him raising Lazarus from the dead. They're hanging on too. They're crying out hallelujah. And of course, there's the Pharisees. We don't want any of that to happen, right? So those are the kind of groups that he describes. And so as John paints that picture for us of, of Jesus riding in and the triumphal entry, as we, as we call it there, Jesus didn't come. Jesus didn't come to be the king. Not like they thought. Jesus didn't come to oust the, the Romans and send them back and back to Rome. So the question is, why did he come? Why did he come? He didn't come to amass a large following or any of those other things. And so when we walk through this latter part of John, John's kind of set the table, and then he's going to use the words of Jesus to answer that question, the, the why, right? We get that a lot. You get a little kid, you're going to get why a lot, right? You know, and so sometimes we get asked that question, why? Or sometimes we wonder, have you ever had somebody show up at your place, or your office, or your, your home, and you wonder, why are they there? There's something to why they're, not what they tell you so much, but later on you discover why they are there. When Jesus comes into Jerusalem for the last time, they have the idea of what they think he's there for. And it's not for any of those things. Now, as you move through the, the 12th chapter, you have the interesting group here. And it's kind of interesting because it's an open-ended thing. But you have the encounter with the Greeks. 
the Greeks, they want to know, they want to meet Jesus. So they, uh, they reach out and they want to know, um, they want to they get a, a, an audience with Jesus. The best guess is that this happens maybe at the temple. That's our best guess, but it follows the triumphal entry on that first day. Let's read it in the 20th through the 24th verse of John chapter 12. Now there were among some Greek. Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to the up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, "Sir, we wish to see Jesus." Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. Now listen to this, because John's going to give us a clue. Jesus is going to give us a clue in the 24th verse. 23rd verse, yeah, 23rd verse, sorry. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come. That's what he's pointing to. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus, as he's walking through this time, and he's dealing with this, this audience, the Greeks want to meet him. We don't, we don't know if the Greeks ever got audience with him. We don't know if he went and saw them, if he took the time with them. John doesn't record that. Because that's not the important part. The important part is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I have come for this hour. What's he referring to? Because when you say, I've come for this hour, there could be a lot of different things that he might be referring to. But he follows it up with a story that we understand. Follows it up with a story that we understand. It's getting really close to spring. Really close. And it won't be long before some of you will be out in your yard and you'll be digging it up and you'll be planting the garden. Some of you have got bigger planters than the rest of us, and they, they're called tractors, right? They pull these things, and you guys can plant. It takes me days to plant just a little spot, and in hours you can plant acres and acres and acres of seed. That seed is what he used to describe his hour. You see, he described the seed as dying, going to the ground, and then what's it do? It produces something greater than that. Jesus uses that parable, the, seed, the mustard seed, etc., the tiny seed that grows up. We'll see that. I want you to think about that as we head toward Easter, and we head to the cross, and we head to the resurrection. Understand that Jesus died to produce something greater than that. You see, had he stayed alive as a king, he wouldn't have produced eternal life. But because he went to the grave, we now have the opportunity. That's the hour he's talking about is the cross and the resurrection. And John begins to paint that picture and turn us from where we want Jesus to be into what Jesus came to be. We have to wrestle with it, even though we know the story. You understand, John writes this in hindsight. Because John, at the beginning, he's... he's he might have been waving one of the palm branches or excited about that because, man, finally the, the following of people is here and, and this Jesus that I'm close to now and I'm sitting at his right hand, right? This, this is good stuff. But now John understands as he looks back that Jesus did a far greater thing. 
And the Jesus that he was looking for pales in comparison to the Jesus that he became. You and I, we talked about this. We, we, we want Jesus to do certain things for us, and we lose, when it doesn't happen like we want, then we walk away. We need to hang on to because what Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus does for us today, is beyond what we can understand. He has a better, he's always had a better plan in place than us. And we need to understand that. So let's pick it up in the, the, this idea for this purpose is what I titled the whole series. As we walk through this to the, to the grave and to the resurrection, the whole thing has been for this purpose. And here's the verses that we're going to find that in. in verses 20, beginning in verse 27. Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Again, he knows what's going on, right? Go back to that. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. For this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying, angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, the voice has not come for my sake, but for your sake. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. For this purpose, as we walk through this, as we're wrestling with the, the Greeks and the approaching to the man, I will tell you that I couldn't find it, but I was kind of led to the belief that the, the, you know, the, G, the Greeks kind of looked at, and this is off record, okay? Okay, because you can find this to back it up. But the Greeks came to him because they looked at Jesus as a free agent. And if the Jews aren't going to sign you up, we will. Okay? And, and so, in this, we, we get this, this understanding. I get this understanding. As Jesus stands here, he wrestles with this hour. Do you realize? He knows what's coming. Let me ask you this question. How many want to sign up to be hung on a cross and die? I don't see any hands raised. I don't see any hands online here. Jesus knew the pain and the suffering. You would only be on the cross and feel the weight of yourself. When He goes to the cross, He's, got, he's totally innocent, right? Without sin. But on the cross, on those shoulders, He's bearing the weight of all of our sin. Now, look around the room for a second. That's a lot of sin, right? Now, imagine that, that there's, there's over a million people that left, a million and a half close to, left Ukraine. That's just a portion of the world's population. It's the weight of all of those. It's the weight of the world. It's the weight of those in the past. In Jesus' time, it's the weight of those yet to come. The sin was on His... So He's standing there and He's saying, I'd like this hour to pass, but it's for this hour that I've come. How will He glorify His name? 
You see, He lets us know that He is the Son of God. He lets us know that Jesus tells us He is the Son of God. He has been sent by God. If you see Him, you've seen God. The Trinity, right? We understand that when we look at that. So how will He glorify the Father? How will He glorify the Father? How how does He glorify the Father? By being true to the calling that He has been sent for. By walking to the cross. Not varying from this. Not saying, hey, wait a minute. Can we do this some other way? He glorifies God by being faithful to the plan that they had laid out. The plan for our redemption. The plan that you and I couldn't come up with. He's going to fix what we broke and continue to break. He's going to fix that because we could not do that. We can try all we can. Throughout the generations, you walk through the Old Testament, they tried to fix it. The blood of animals, they tried to fix it by being good. None of those things fixed it. Finally, Jesus is the answer. So what does Jesus do to glorify God? He carries out the plan by going to the cross. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. When we walk through the Old Testament, oftentimes we refer to, we just went through the book of Nehemiah. It was an oracle or prophecy against the Assyrian Empire. Now, the history lesson there is what? The Assyrians viewed their God to be stronger than all the other gods because they won all of the battles. How it works. So, if the Son of God, this is the reason He comes, not to oust the Romans, not to just be a king here on the earth, not to just fix you, but, but to die for you. He stands on the cross. When they take His body off of the cross, that doesn't look like He's glorified God at all. That looks like the end of things. Matter of fact, as you walk through the story, that's exactly what the disciples thought, right? They took him down off the cross, they put him in a grave, and they went and hid. Because they didn't know what was next. Because when they took his dead body off of the cross and put it in a grave, they expected what? Nothing. They should have known They should have been able to see him. They should have been camped out in front of the grave to watch the stone roll away. But to them, it was defeat. There's not glory in defeat. There's not glory in the death. Because now it's over with. How will he glorify God? Rising from the grave. Rising from the grave. The chapter closes out with this reference. It's made a little bit earlier in the text. We're going to read the 46th verse, and it kind of puts that in in purpose there. Notice also as you walk through there, the allusion to being raised up on the cross. There's neat things as we walk through this text that clue us in to what John... Remember, John's trying to convince people to put their trust in Jesus. As he writes that book, that's his purpose. 
This is the purpose of Jesus, to be the light. To be the light. The 46th verse. I have come as light into the world. What did John start out with? The light. You see, as the Holy Spirit leads him to write, the Holy Spirit has collected the thoughts. When we start out with the light of the world, we come to the where we're, we're walking to the cross. What does Jesus say to the people? I am. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. That's his purpose. That's his purpose. It's for us not to remain in darkness. He is the light that's come into the world. And what that, what that shows to us, what that tells us, what it told us from the beginning was that we were, you and I, were in darkness. We could not see our need. That's why we would cry out for the king of Israel because we want a temporary fix. We can't see that. We want, this is what we want Jesus to be today. You know, I, I want Jesus to give me a Porsche. Then I'll be good. But you know what? It's not happening. Right? But my trust, because Jesus has a better plan than that. And let me just stop. I didn't just float the Porsche out there as a cute thing. But when I signed up to go to tech school, my dream was to be an architect. Like a, a Frank Lloyd Wright kind of guy, right? I, I want to build cool places on top of waterfalls. And I also figured out that, that I would probably make enough money to have my own Porsche. Okay? That was my plan. That was what I was doing as Jesus went by on the triumphal entry. I was dreaming of that. But God had a different plan. And I will say a better plan. Because I get to share the greatest truth of all time with the world that can hear. Our message, Jesus' message, was to be a light into the world. He came as light to shine a light so we could see what we needed. It wasn't what we thought. We needed a Savior who would shed His blood for us. And that through His shed blood, through the giving of His body, we might have forgiveness of sin. We just wanted something temporary when He came to give us eternal life. Not to have an earthly king on a broken world, but to have a heavenly king in a perfect heaven. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we're aiming for. How many of you, when you heard Michael speak, said, I don't want to be that, right? When Michael was talking about why you, why you plant a church, I mean, there's already enough churches out there doing nothing, right? I, mean, I forget how he put it, but that was pretty much the gist of it. I don't want, you don't want, 
that do? So what we've got to do is put into practice what we hear. It's not a, you know, the church shouldn't be just entertainment. It's a time to worship. It's a time to give praise and thanks to God, knowing that someday He's going to blow the trumpet and we're going to rise up. But it's also a time for us to come together when the Sunday school are here, to look at the Word. To, to respond to what we see there and do something with it so that we don't be the church that doesn't do anything kind of thing, right? So that's what we want to do. These action steps, just a couple, I ask you two or three a week. It's usually three a week, right? Because I'm a preacher, you've got to have three. Here's what I want us to think about. Can you tell someone the purpose of Jesus? Why did Jesus come? They may, they may, if you ask them, they, they might have an answer. But it's likely not going to be the right one. Can you tell someone the purpose of Jesus? I mean, we're, we're coming up. They're going to be talking about Jesus whether they want to or not because it's, it's time for Easter. And you're going to have that opportunity. And I want, you to, I want you to be able to share why did Jesus come to the earth? You know now, John spells that out for you. Jesus spells out that out for you. He came for the hour. He came to glorify God, and that was through the cross and the resurrection. Did you choose, do you choose comfort or purpose? Jesus, shall I ask that this hour pass for this purpose I came? We often get to choose whether we're going to want to take the, the path of least resistance, the recliner thing, or whether we're going to do what God has called us to do. And sometimes that might not be, most of the time it's not comfortable. You're not going to be comfortable with that. When I say we're going to talk about the best news, we're going to talk about evangelism, all of you are saying, man, give it to me because I want to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. No, they, they were afraid. They're going to look at us like some nut. Somebody told you about Jesus. And guess what? At that point in time, eventually, you may have looked at him like a nut the first time. But eventually, you understood what they were talking about. You understood that they weren't crazy. They cared for you. And that's why they were telling you that. You needed to look around and say, why didn't the rest of you who knew this tell me? But thankfully, somebody came along and told you, let's tell somebody. Do you, you choose comfort over, over purpose. How do you move out of darkness? You know, we were, we were living in darkness, right? It's what we understand. Jesus came to be the light. Do you ever enter a room with the flashlight in your hand? It only brings light to part of the room. So you get more into the center room, then more of the room's lit up. Then you look around and you find a light switch. You've got LED daytime 1,500 lumens. We need that much Jesus in our life. Not just on a portion of our life. But we need to, to just put ourselves in His Word. Allow Him to to shine on every area of our life 
so that we can remove the darkness that we oftentimes hang on to. How do you move out of the darkness? We're going to give the invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never really understood why He came and what it meant that He died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and what that means personally for you, I invite you to come and we'll talk about that. You can ask questions and somebody, I'll try to answer them, somebody else will try to answer them. You can bring somebody with you. Make them answer the questions, okay? Somebody that you know. If you want to come and pray for whatever it is that God is, is doing in your life, God may be calling you to do something, God may be calling you to make some changes. You come and pray, know that we're going to pray with you. If you just want to come down to the altar and pray for the missionaries, the North American missionaries that we're praying for, and you want to come down here and pray, and know that by you doing that, that puts everybody else on, on call to do the same thing, because they're going to pray. Whatever you're praying for, I'm praying for. So you do that as we sing. Let's stand. sanctuary your and holy tried and true with thanksgiving we Sanctuary for you, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Your Tried and true with thanksgiving, I'll be a living Father, thank you for this time to be in your house. Father, walk with us as we leave this place. Father, give us the person to talk to and the courage to speak. Father, to share why you came. Father, help us to live out our life before you. Father, allow, Father, I pray that you would shine light on our lives. Father, that we might work on our relationship with you. Father, it's that process of sanctification that we walk through. Father, help us to grow closer and closer to you day by day. Pray for our missionaries. Be with them as they proclaim the word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, y'all are invited back next week. You all bring some friends, okay? Bring some extra friends and put them on that side. 
Here's this, the, the, this week's reading out of 2 Kings. In Nehemiah, you're going to finish up Acts, and you're also going to finish up Matthew. So it's a way to shine a little light there. Thank you. Choir practice afterwards. <laughs> 